First John chapter one. Well, just like we saw in the video in, in the movie, um, this time of the year we celebrate the birth of the child. Now, you know, there's nothing in the word of God that says that we're supposed to honor and celebrate, or I should say celebrate a, a certain day, Christmas. Christmas Day is not in the Bible. Um, and there's nothing in there that says that on the day that we celebrate his birth, that we need to give gifts to one another or anything like that. These are traditions of men, you know, men's traditions, but there's nothing wrong with honoring the Lord, honoring the gift and having a day. And really, we should do this all throughout our, you know, our lives. But there's nothing wrong with setting aside a time of the year to honor and, and celebrate what the Lord has done, what God has done in sending the gift to us. Amen. You know, I know it's very commercialized. We, we talked about this before. It's very commercialized. I mean, people running to the stores and the stores are crowded right now. The malls are crowded and people are trying to get their last minute gifts and people are baking cookies and breads and pies. And and most people do not have the the real meaning of Christmas, the understanding of Christmas in their heart. They They know that there is a story of the birth of Jesus and the virgin born Mary, but they really don't truly understand what it means. And, uh, you know, that's not good. We, we want to understand what this season is about. We want to understand to us what this means as believers, as children of God, how we should view this season. We don't want to get caught up in the commercialization of it. Now, it's, it's a good thing to give gifts in honor of the gift that we have received. And, and, you know, the Bible does say, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So there's nothing wrong with giving. Now, we don't want to get in debt <laughs> and do things, you know, beyond us and beyond ourselves to try to keep up with the culture and to, you know, that we have to get the, the latest and the, the greatest. But we're believing God also to increase us. And we're believing God to prosper. So we can believe God for the best. We can believe God for extra so that we can give. But at the same time, what I'm saying is that we don't go beyond where we are in our faith and we don't do anything foolish just because it is Christmas. And, and you know, this is what the world is telling us and the world is pushing these things and, and um, commercializing it. You guys understand what I'm saying. But we hear a lot of different religious sayings around this time of the year that, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. And, uh, you know, that's true. But what does that mean? You know, that we, we hear that the greatest gift of all is Jesus. And we hear these Christian cliches around this time of the year. And you see them on the greeting cards that we hand out. And, you know, don't forget what the, the real meaning of Christmas is. But what does that mean for us? And why is Jesus the best gift? And why did he come? So I want to talk about that this morning. Now, there's many biblical reasons why Jesus came. I mean, we can give number of reasons. Um, I, you know, there's probably 30 plus reasons in the Bible 
why Jesus came. We can talk about, you know, for this purpose was a son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. We can talk about that for this purpose, Jesus came to save sinners or to establish the throne of David or to sit on the throne of David and to establish his kingdom. Okay. We can talk about where Jesus said that I came to reveal the father. Okay. So he said, I, you know, I came not I came down from heaven not to do his own will, but to do the will of the Father. So there's many different reasons that we can talk about why Jesus came that are biblical. But I want to talk about everlasting life, eternal life. Jesus, the word of God says in in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, we've heard that scripture so many times, but, you know, we, you see it in football games. People hold signs and you hear it around this time of year a lot. You've heard it so many times that you can be conditioned almost to not meditate on it, to not think about what does that mean? What does that mean for me? What does, how important is this? And so I want to get into that this morning. So are you at, uh, where are we, 1 John 1? So the question I want to answer is, what is eternal life? What is eternal life? You know, eternal life is not just living a long time. It's not living forever, or it, it really doesn't even mean just living in heaven. What is eternal life? Eternal life is a different type of life. Eternal life is a different quality of life. It's a spiritual life. Eternal life is spiritual life. In John 3, 5, Jesus said, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So born again, if you look at these words, born again actually means to be born from above. Born from above. So the moment you are born again, born from above, the moment you put faith in Jesus Christ and in his finished work, you not only receive the Holy Spirit, but you receive the very life that is in God, the very life that he is, you receive that. It becomes a part of you. You know, just like when you are born of your natural mother and father, you receive a part of them. Their DNA, their who they are in their natural physical makeup becomes a part of you. You are part of their flesh. Well, when we are born again or born from above, the very nature, the very life of God becomes a part of us. And a true Christian has eternal life in them. And that that is the life of God, is eternal life, is everlasting life, as we read in John 3, 16. So a true child of God, a true believer in Jesus Christ that has received Jesus, has eternal life on the inside of them. It's not just found in Jesus any longer, it's found in you as well. 
the eternal life that is found in Jesus is now found in you. And in 1 John 1, 1, it says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the father. Notice he's saying eternal life was with the father. So eternal life is not just living long. Eternal life is a person. It's who God is. It's who Jesus is. And it says, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. So this few passages here is, man, full of revelation. We, we could spend literally hours and wouldn't cover it all uh, on this. But you can see here that Jesus is eternal life. It's not that he just gives eternal life. Jesus is eternal life. Now, I'm going to lay a foundation. So, so, you know, if you want to, you can write these scriptures down. But this is very important that you know this is the foundation of what we have received. This is the foundation of our walk with the Lord. In 1 John 5, 11, it says, And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. So this is what we refer to as the incarnate word. Okay, The word became flesh. God became man. That is the incarnation. Okay, I'm saying, using these terms so when you hear these terms, you understand what it's referring to. The word became flesh. And it says, God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son, Jesus. So we must understand that the day, there is a time in history that the child was born. But that was not the beginning of Jesus. There is a place and day, specific time and place in history that the child, the infant, as we just saw, was born, but that it was not the beginning of Jesus. In 1 John 1, 1, you look at that again. Notice these words, that which was from the beginning, the beginning. This is very important. This was from the beginning, which we have heard. And, and, and John is saying this because he's speaking to a, a group of Gnostics in this in this area. Gnosticism has crept into this church. And Gnostics are people that believe that matter is bad. Physical flesh is bad and only spirit is good. And so he has to tell them, no, uh, that which was from the beginning, we have heard it and we have seen it with our eyes. So it's not just spiritual. Jesus literally became man. The word, God, literally became flesh. He's telling them this. We have seen with our eyes. We have looked upon. And our hands have handled. Man, you may, as we were watching, I was just thinking those shepherds and some of those that had the revel 
that knew this is God in the flesh, how that must have been for these disciples to look at Jesus and those that had the revelation to see, wow, this is God. What, what manner of man is this? They said, they, I, I imagine that there were times where miracles were performed and, you know, in the boat and on the sea, and they just marveled at him and said, you know, in their insides, this is not just a man. They had a, you know, there were some that had the revelation that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. Imagine what that would have been to see and to be in that time. And it says, we've looked upon and our hands have handled the word of life for the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested unto us. So that is the incarnation. The eternal life was manifested to us. We saw it. We touched it. We, we felt it. We looked upon him. And then we know in, in, in John, the gospel of John, chapter one, verse one, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So in the beginning was the word. Jesus is the word. The word was with God and the word was God. So God, Jesus is eternal. The word always was. It wasn't that he came and, and began to exist when he came into the earth. He always was. John 1 verse 14, it says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. They looked upon God. Micah 5, 2 says, but thou, Bethlehem, this is a, a, a messianic prophecy, but thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, talking about Bethlehem, and uh, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. So it's saying that there will come from Israel, someone that has been from everlasting, someone that has been from eternal. This is, a, this is in the Old Testament. This is one of those prophetic words that, you know, is proof. And it came to pass. But what am I doing? I'm building, I want you to see that Jesus is eternal. He is eternal life. John 17, 5, and says, it says this, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Do you hear that? Are you guys, are you guys uh, with me? Do you hear that? That before the world was, Jesus was. And he's saying this. The glory that I had with you before the world ever was, before there was an earth, before there were, you know, uh, a, a sea, before there were stars, before there was anything, there was Jesus. There was eternal life. Now, we have to make a decision whether we're going to believe that or not, whether we're going to accept it or not. But nothing has disproved this. And anyone who is intelligent and smart has to know that if there is something that is created, there must be a creator. 
Because nothing just appears out of nothing. That does not happen today, and that never happens. So we must believe that this word is true. There has to be in a, a creator. You know, sometimes little kids like to ask, but who created God? <laughs> well, eternity, eternal life does not need a creator. He is eternal. We don't know how long that is. It's, you can't fathom with your mind how long eternal life is. I mean, I, I just heard recently that the different galaxies that they're finding even today, that they look, uh, I forgot where I heard this at, but they're looking at a spot in the sky and they put their microscope telescopes on it and they thought there was nothing there, but there were, I forgot how many millions of galaxies out there. We don't know how many galaxies, we don't know how many stars, how many planets, but we do know that there is only one creator and that he is eternal life. And John 8, 58, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. What is, what is he talking about? He's talking about the, 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 the deity of God. That is, this is referring to the deity of God, the divine nature of God. Remember in the Old Testament when Moses said, when I go to the people and they say, who sent you? What's the name of the one who sent you? He said, tell them, I am that I am has sent you. I am that I am. Why I am that I am? Because he just is. He is eternal life. There is no beginning with him. There is no ending with him. And when Jesus said, I am to these religious folks, man, they were ready to stone him. They're ready to crucify him because they knew he was making himself equal with God. They knew that he was claiming that he is God, that he has the divine nature, the deity of God. So we can clearly see from these scriptures that Jesus is the source of eternal life. He is eternal life. But we can also see that Jesus is the creator and the sustainer of all creation. Psalms 33, 6, it says this, and you can just listen um, and write it down if you like. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. By the what? By the word of the Lord. Who is the word? Jesus is the word. This is in the Old Testament. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He is the creator, the sustainer. And John 1, 1, which we just read, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. All things. All things were made by Him, and was not anything made that was made. So all things were made by Jesus. All things were made by the Word. Colossians chapter 1 it says in verse 16, for by him were all things created. By him all things create, were, were all things created that are in heaven, that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things Consists. So Jesus is eternal life and he is the creator and sustainer 
of all things, of all creation. You see that? So why do we need to know this? Why do we need to understand this? Because we need to understand what God did for us. We need to understand that when we are celebrating the birth of the child, as we saw depicted there, when we are celebrating the birth of the infant, we are literally talking about eternal life. We are talking about everlasting life, the creator of everything, the creator of heavens and earth, the sustainer of heaven and earth, stepping out from heaven, leaving his throne and stepping into this natural world where we can see and becoming an infant, becoming a baby, becoming someone that has to be dependent on a mother and his earthly father to take care of him, to feed him, to clothe him, to raise him. We are talking about someone who is eternal, that you cannot fathom that, saying, I will leave here and come to earth dependent upon other men. I will lay my glory aside. Now, he was fully God and he is fully man, but he came to an earth full of sin, full of evil, full of wickedness. He came to an earth that was no longer the way he created it. Eternal life created an earth that he is now stepping into that was no longer the way he designed it. That was no longer the way he intended it. We need to grasp this. Let's say that, Lord, reveal to me eternal life and how you stepped in. Give me a greater revelation of what this means. So he came into this earth, eternal life. And the Bible says that he had to develop just like other men. The Bible says that he grew. And in Luke, it talks about that. In Luke, the second chapter, it talks about that the child grew and that he grew in wisdom and that he had to grow in wisdom and and favor with God and man. So he had to learn. God, the eternal one, had to learn. He laid aside his, it's, man, thank you, Lord, for a clear revelation on this. Help me get this out. But the the everlasting life stepped from heaven and had to learn like one of us. So when we see plays, when we see movies about, you know, the birth of Jesus, remember that you are not just witnessing a child being born. You are witnessing everlasting life saying, I will come to earth for man and I will lay down and step down from what I have here and go to earth. But he is still fully God and he was still fully man. This is what theologians call the hypostatic union. So if you ever hear that term, that's what that's referring to, the hypostatic union. What is that? Fully God and fully man in one person Jesus the Christ. That is what Christmas is about. That is the Christmas story. That is the true meaning of Christmas. Matthew says, and and the virgin shall bring forth a child, 
uh, and shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us, God among us, God living and walking on the earth with us. Man, praise God. That must have been something to be there, to know that. But the vast majority of people did not know that God, eternal life, literally stepped out of heaven onto earth. Emmanuel, think of that, God with us. So when we're singing Emmanuel, God with us, understand that God literally came to earth and he was walking among men, his creation. This is not just, you know, a feel good story. This is not a fairy tale. This is not something that we just talk about during Christmas. This is true history. This actually happened. If this did not happen, there is no salvation. There is no redemption. There is no eternal life. And we are hopelessly lost forever. We are hopelessly lost if this did not happen if this did not occur. But if this is true, why would the Lord do this for man? And it is true. Why would the Lord do this for man? Why would he leave heaven and come to earth for man? Let's go to John 17. John 17. Gospel of John, not, not first John, but Gospel of John. You know, God's in original intention uh, for man, for creation, has not changed. God's original creation for, uh, original intention for creation has not changed. He has always wanted to fellowship with man. He's wanted to have a relationship with man. He's wanted to have fellowship. You see in Genesis, I think, 3.8, you see this word where God walked in the cool of the day. And people who study that say that that was a habitual thing, a regular thing that Adam experienced, that God walked among them and talked with them and fellowshiped with his creation, with man. Okay? So God, you know, primarily, you could say this, God primarily sent his son Jesus to have fellowship with us. You say, well, I thought it was to get rid of sin. Well, if there was, sin was the obstacle, you could say. Sin was the thing that hinders our relationship and fellowship with the Lord. So he had to get rid of the sin. But why was he getting rid of the sin? So that we can have fellowship again with him. We can have relationship with him. You know, when there is, uh, you know, when relationship is not right, you don't have fellowship with the person. You know, it, it, when, when the relationship, when there's something going on wrong between uh, you and another person, there's no fellowship there when the relationship is not right. So God wanted us to have relationship with him. That was his original intention for man, to have relationship with one that he created in his image that he could talk to and converse with and show his love and express his love. That was his intention. And that is what, when you are in right standing with God, you can now have fellowship with him. And that's what righteousness means. 
when we hear that, you know, once you've been born again, you are the righteousness of God. That means you are in right standing. You have right relationship with the Father. You are in right relationship with him. And sin hinders that fellowship. Right? So, you know, in John 3.16, we read, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes on him uh, shall not perish but have everlasting life. Salvation, eternal life, is more than forgiveness of sins. Eternal life is more than just living a long time or living after you die. Because if that's all eternal life is, sinners have eternal life. <laughs> Murderers and, and, and people that have done wicked and evil things, if they have not repented, they will have eternal life. Now, they won't have, they'll be living forever, you know, but uh, so that's not just eternal life is the point that I'm making. Eternal life is not just living a long time. And in John 17, it says this, verse one, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you as you have given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And listen to this. And this is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So do you see here, eternal life is not just living forever. Actually, he doesn't even mention that here. He doesn't even mention, he doesn't mention long life, living forever at all. But you can see that there is a connection between eternal life, knowing the Father and his Son, Jesus. And you cannot have eternal life without having a relationship with, without, you can't have eternal life without knowing the Father. And you cannot know the Father without having a right relationship with his son, Jesus. If you do not accept his son, Jesus, you cannot have fellowship with the Father. And this is what eternal life is all about. This is what salvation is all about. It's about knowing the Father. It's about having fellowship with the Father. It's not just about escaping the judgment of hell. It's not just about escaping, you know, uh, uh, sin and, and, and having our sins forgiven. Now, that's very important. That's very big. But the Father, God, did not send his Son, did not save us just so that we are just saved from sin, and that's it, and saved from hell, and that's it. Now, again, that's vitally important, and that would be, we should be grateful and thankful if that's all there was. But the Father God has adopted us into the family of God. When a child is adopted into the family, he did, the Father God didn't adopt us and save and rescue us and save us and say, okay, I've rescued you, I've saved you, I've delivered you from hell, from the wrath to come. Here's a room in, my, in the household of faith. Enjoy your life. I'll never see you again. Better be grateful that I did save you. No, no. He wants to have fellowship. He is a father. When a father when, and a mother adopt a child or bring a child into the earth, 
They want to have a relationship with that child. They want to have fellowship with that child. So yes, he saved us and delivered us from sin, but he, it's more than that. It's eternal life. And eternal life is fellowship. What did Jesus say? And this is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, in 1 John 1, 4, our text, uh, in 1 John chapter 1, which was our text that we started off with, it does say, listen to this again, there's so much revelation. Man, there's so much in this, in 1 John 1. It says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. Listen to this. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. You see that we can have fellowship with the Father. We can have fellowship with Jesus. This is what eternal life is. Now, there's other aspects of eternal life, but this is what we're focusing on. This is what Jesus did for us. So when God stepped out of heaven and he left his glory, he left his throne, he was stepping down as an infant. He went through the things that a child has to go through. He had to learn how to have friends. He had to learn all these things, right? It says he, that he grew in wisdom and he grew in, fav with fa in favor with God and man. That means that there were some things he had to learn about relationships and, and things with men. So he grew. Why did he do all this? So that he could have fellowship with us. He could remove the obstacle through his son Jesus by taking and paying the price. He can remove that obstacle so we could have fellowship. And when you have fellowship with the Father, when we have fellowship with him and we know him, it makes things so much easier to believe him, to trust him, to know him. You know, the Bible says faith works by love. When you know your father and you spent time with him, and just like any relationship, when you've spent time with an individual, when you have fellowship with someone and you get to know them and you spend time with them day after day, month after month, year after year, you begin to know their heart. You begin to know what causes them to get up in the morning and what drives them, what's their purpose and what's their motivation. You know their insides. You don't just know about them anymore. You know them. And when you know them, it makes you, it's a lot easier to trust them. It's a lot easier to believe in them. And that's what it's supposed to be like with us and the Father God. We have fellowship with him and relationship with him. And we talk to him on a daily basis. And we are in his word and his word is revealing who he is. And he's talking to us through his word. Amen. And when he's talking to us, we're getting to know him and we're sitting down and we're we're fellowshipping with him and we're just, you know, talking to the Lord. And and that's what we want to do. We want to wake up in, in the mornings and have fellowship with the father and throughout the day. Just speak with him. Talk to him. You know, we don't need to get caught up. And yes, we want to read the word of God daily 
you know, and it's the first, uh, you know, 2022 is coming up and people make New Year's resolutions that they're going to read the word of God in a year or they're going to do these things. I'm going to read it in 90 days. Well, I'm not saying that you don't want to have goals or anything like that. It's great to read the word of God, but don't miss out on hearing from God when you're reading the word of God and a thought comes that, wow, that, that's interesting. That's, that's, mm, and you're seeing something that you didn't see before. Talk to the Lord. Holy Spirit, show me. What does that mean? Don't get caught up. Oh, well, I, I got to go on because I got to read three more chapters. So I don't got time to talk to the Lord, to fellowship. No, you're missing the point. It's not about how many chapters you can read. It's about fellowshipping. And if into the first verse of your chapter that you're reading, you see something, you hear from the Lord. He's talking to you about it. Stay on it. Fellowship with him. Talk to him about it. Dig in more of the word to see if there's other parts in his word where he's mentioned things about it. And stay on that because that's the thing that's going to give you life. That's the thing that's going to give you faith. Don't just say, oh, let me just go on and read more chapters. No, that's where you need to stop and just focus and meditate on, the, on that. Amen? But this is what the Lord wants. He wants us to have fellowship with him. And when you have fellowship with the Father, you know, I know my God. I talk to him. I have fellowship with him. I have intimacy with him. I know he's going to take care of me. I know he's going to provide for me. You know, a, a, a child who's you know, an infant, a toddler, they're not concerned that their parent is going to drop them when they're holding them. They're not concerned about that because they know that parent's touch. They trust that parent. They know that parent. I'm talking about when a child has a good father and a good mother. And that's how it is with us when we know the Father God, when we know eternal life and we're fellowshipping with eternal life, faith comes so much easier. Believing him comes so much easier. Trusting him comes so much easier. Amen? Amen. And knowing him, this is the only thing that really matters. Knowing him is the most important thing. Knowing eternal life is what is vitally important to our Christian walk. In Philippians 3.8, and I'm, I'm closing, Philippians 3.8 says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the ex excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. I'm going to read that in the Amplified. It says this, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege their overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, and the supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly. For his sake, I have lost everything and considered all to be mere rubbish." in order that I may win, gain Christ. You see this, that this is a man that, how many, how many people have been affected by his ministry and his life? And he said, I count all of it dumb. But the one thing that I, is a prize to me, that is most important, I'm paraphrasing, is to know Christ, is to have intimacy, 
is to know him on a deeper level. Not just know about him, but know him. We can know the Lord. And I think that needs to be going into this new year. That needs to be our goal. Somebody said, what's your New Year's resolution? To know eternal life, to have fellowship with him more than I do right now, to have fellowship and intimacy with him. The Living Bible says, yes, everything else is worthless. When compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, I have put all aside, counting it worth less than nothing in order that I can have Christ. And this is the gift that God has given to man. This is the gift that God has given to us. We don't deserve it. We have not merited. We don't deserve to have fellowship with the Father. We don't, we have not earned it. But yet he said, in, in, he came to earth full of sin to say, you know what? You don't deserve it. You don't earn it. But I will leave here, sacrifice, so that I can have fellowship with you and you can have fellowship with me. Man, what manner of love is this? What manner of love is this? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We'll have life eternal, the very nature of God in us so that we can have fellowship with the eternal one himself. That is amazing to think and to meditate on that we can actually have eternal life and fellowship with the Father, and we don't deserve it. We have done nothing to earn it at all. We need to have this mindset in us throughout this time and all of our days. When we, you know, when we are walking out into the world and we are seeing lost people and people do things that are weird and, and they're upset and, and they're doing things that are crazy, we don't need to judge those people. Those people don't know eternal life. And we need to look at those people as though that is someone that needs eternal life. That is someone that needs to know the Father God. They need to know that they can know and have fellowship with God. People are hungry and starving to know God. They don't know it, but they're hungry and starving for something else. And most Christians don't really understand what eternal life is. They really don't know that they have eternal life in them and it's a part of them. And we can have fellowship with eternal life. And you only get eternal life by putting your faith in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That's, all, that's the only way that you can have eternal life is by putting your faith in his work. And this is the God-man who is miraculously born of a virgin, came to a sinful earth, but yet lived a sinless life and died on a cross, a substitutionary death for us. And so this is the story of Christmas. The gift of eternal life is received by faith, but the package that it's wrapped in is Jesus. This gift of eternal life is received by faith, but the package is wrapped in is Jesus. 
And so to receive eternal life, you have to receive Jesus. We hope this message has encouraged you today. For more information on our ministry or to donate, visit onewayministries.net.